this may appear to be only monkey business, but in reality, it's very serious, ladies. Zero Issues Comic Podcast! Zero Issues Comic Podcast! Welcome to a very special episode of Zero Issues. Kind of a sad note, but hopefully a celebratory note at the same time. Um, The legend, the master, the one and only John Romita Sr. passed away um, very recently, last week as of us recording. June June 12th. It was June twelfth, um, yeah. and yeah. His, his son, obviously John Romita Jr., had uh, shared online that he passed away. He was, was ninety three years old. He passed away peacefully in his sleep. So you know, it, it's he had a good long life and an amazing career. And uh, I think celebration is the way to look at it. Yep. So let's. So that's celebrate. what we're gonna do. Yeah, let's yeah. talk let's about do it. Somebody who had uh, a massive. And again, there's a lot of there's so many legends in comics, but uh, really he had a huge, huge impact that sometimes might doesn't. You know, he gets obviously he's a he's very famous. He's a legend in his own right, but he might not get the same level of uh, kind of worship. He doesn't say. get the Kirby level sort yeah. of thing that yeah that everybody's like Stan Lee and Steve Ditko and Jack yeah. Kirby and that sort of thing. But it's like John Romita Senior can be very easily put yeah into that same breath. And you know, was there at the same time, which we'll get into. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so let's get so into let's it. Let's get into it. Let's go. Well, uh, we'll start, of course, with his birth. Uh, I think he was a New Yorker for life, pretty much, right? He was born in mm-hmm. uh, yeah. New York, uh, January 24th, 1930. So he was, I think he was like a few years, like, you know what I mean? Less than 10 years younger than most of, or even just a couple, of, even just a few years younger than a lot of the ones. Like, again, like Steve Ditko, I think, was like three years older than him. Mm-hmm. You know, and like Stan and was like seven or eight years older than him and, and so on. So he was, you know, right there kind of at the same thing. He grew up reading Golden Age comics and was like a huge, just loved reading comics as a kid, right? He was probably reading like Superman would have come out when he was like eight. Yeah. Like that's kind of yeah. cool. Like he was one that's of the first, cool. one of the first like generation, like fans of, of superheroes who just wanted to draw superheroes. Like it's just what he wanted to do, you know? And he did it as one of the best. Yeah. Uh, so he, he graduated from Manhattan School of Industrial Art in 1947 at the age of 17. On, on his 17th birthday, he received his first artist work uh, from the Manhattan General Hospital, where uh, an anesthesiologist had paid him $60 a week to create uh, a medical exhibition on pneumatology medicine. Ah, we all know what that is, right? It's okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, which he did in six months, and then within a couple of years, he uh, he entered the comic industry. His his first work being on uh, famous funnies. Oh, I mean they're pretty famous. They it's in the which title. Which more famous, the funnies or the Romita? I think the Romita. So he was he was doing sort of freelance stuff for a while. Uh, he started working at the company Forbes Lithograph and. Later in 1949, he was earning about $30 a week there, uh, and he ran into comic book inker Lester Zacharin, who had been a friend from high school. He ran into him on the train. That sounds and like a made-up name. It does sound like, like a made-up name, but we can't fact <laughs> He became a supervillain later on. Yeah. With his Zacharings. This was like New York in, the, in those days. All of those like weird comic book names were just people's names. Like that, it, it, yeah. it was very realistic. Yeah. 
but he basically he he ran into Ramita and he offered him somewhere between seventeen and twenty dollars, depending on who's telling the story, a page to to pencil a ten page story like to to ghost ink it. Yeah. So this this was for Timely Comics, uh, which you know mm-hmm. it was his first chance to sort of meet Stanley and you know do that. So he sorry he ghost penciled for for Zacharin. Uh, yeah. On a Trojan Comics, Crime Smashers was the name of it, uh, huh. and various other titles. Uh, eventually, you know, signing some of the things, Zacharin and Ramita. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. So yeah. at that, and that kept going, that was... Yeah, so he actually got credit at some point. That's neat. <laughs> yeah. That then went, it became Zachamita. There we oh. go. Fusion, huh? Then it Rotorin. became Zachamanga. <laughs> then it became Kukamanga. <laughs> and finally, Rad. <laughs> So that, that sort of ended in 1951 because Ramita got drafted. Yeah. Hooray. Korean War. Yeah, he was he was drafted into the U.S. Army. Yeah, it was like Korean War. That's 50. Yeah. 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 Prior prior to his uh, induction, uh, he showed off art samples to, to the base art director on Governor's Island in New York Bay, uh, who arranged for him to be stationed there to do layouts for recruitment posters mm. in, you know, in the Marvel tradition. <laughs> of everybody just working yeah. for the army. Yeah. Like Stan was, yeah, so Stan was in the World War II, was doing, uh, mm-hmm. like, writing, and then Jack Kirby was killing Kirby, Nazis, yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, actually killing them. Yeah. And then drawing them afterwards. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love the way those broken fingers are posed. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. I think, like, even when he was at the, the lithograph company, he, he, in an interview, he was talking about, like, doing, like, Coca-Cola ads and, like, painting Coca-Cola bottles. And uh, so those, like, old-timey ads that get reprinted a million times might be Ramita's. It's possible. Might not be a Rockwell. Yeah. So Ramita was promoted to corporal after seven or eight months, and uh, he was allowed to live off base uh, sometimes, mm-hmm. like, when not on active duty. Uh, so he had an apartment in Brooklyn, and he, he told a story... That in 1951, uh, he went uptown for lunch one day and stopped over at, at Stan Lee's office, uh, which it was uh, it was now Atlas. Uh, but basically, right. the secretary came out and Ramita's like, look, Stan doesn't know my name, but I've actually worked for him for over a year. So, <laughs> uh, and, the, and the secretary was just sort of like... And she's I, like, I've heard that seven times yes, this week. Yes, and you're yeah. also his son. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, in, in, it might have been actually a miracle that there even was a secretary. I'm pretty sure it was just, like, Stan Lee in a broom closet for, for a while. <laughs> Stan, Stan Lee with in, a wig. Yeah. Stan yeah. Lee yeah. in a <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sexy Bugs Bunny. Everything, yeah. <laughs> Do you expect me to believe that, true believer? Mm. You're not. I'll get Stan on the horn, yeah. Yeah. But she, anyway. So she goes into Stan's office, she comes back, and she's like, here's a four-page science fiction story for you to pencil. So he pencils that. He, he tries to ink it, doesn't do a great job, but, you know, does his best. Uh, and from that point on, started working on, on westerns and war stories. Yeah. Uh, he went on He went on to do a bunch of horror books. Even some Captain America. Yeah, in yeah. That, in the 50s, I think. Yes. That, that was the exact same time he was doing a bunch of horror books. And he also, uh, he got to do, like, the revival of Captain America in a few issues of Young Men. And then in Captain mm. America, the book itself. Uh, and he would, he would come up with one of his first original characters, M11, the human robot in a, in a five page story in 1954. Bring him back. Mm -hmm. Well, apparently they brought him back for, uh, agents of Atlas, but that was a long time ago even. So bring Mm. him back again. Keep bringing him back. 
It's comics, baby. He's a robot. He's a human. He's got letters and numbers in his name. Like, uh, like me. I got a four in there now. Guess where? <laughs> it's silent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Silent four. And finally, uh, at his work at Atlas, he was the primary artist for uh, one of the first series with a black main character, uh, Waku, Prince of the Bantu, uh, which was created by Don Rico and artist Ogden Whitney uh, in the omnibus tale Jungle Tales, number one. So the ongoing short featured an African chieftain in Africa with no regularly featured Caucasian characters. Uh, Ramita sort of, you know, succeeded Whitney with issue two. So, th- But it did have the brother Yako and the sister Dot. That's right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they break loose and then Vamoose and something, something. <laughs> what? Weirdly, Marvel still owns the rights to that. I don't know. They own everything. So, in the, in the mid-50s, uh, while continuing to freelance for Atlas, uh, Romita also did uncredited work for DC before transitioning to working exclusively for DC in 1958. Really? Yeah. His, his first known work for the company, I lost my spot, is the tentatively identified penciling credit for the cover of romance comic Secret Hearts, number 58. Oh. And, you know, later stuff confirmed to be Bermuda stuff. Uh, but he was he was basically, he was following the DC House style. Uh, frequently, they had another artist do the first page of his stories, and then he would take over. And eventually, he became their, their sort of romance cover artist. Hmm. hmm Right. Which, you could definitely see that stuff coming up later in oh, yeah. his books, right? Little known fact is he always drew himself into that, the yeah. romance covers. He was all the beautiful ladies crying. As both the men and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in the middle, and they're both dreamily staring at him. He's just looking directly into (laughs) your eyes, you the reader. (laughs) Like, John, stop drawing yourself in between them. They sell them like hotcakes, He would always draw in a mirror. (laughs) He's held to Xerox. Um, He would would do, like, swipes, like, kind of notorious thing that, that a lot of artists do, where they're looking at an example and basically just... Take a pose or whatever. Yeah, yeah. redrawing that, that pose. But he would, that will come up again later. He would he would get them from from movie stills and from uh, you know different places, but you know definitely changed how he drew uh, figures into something that became really marketable down the line. Mm-hmm. Right. He was even even during that time he was you know drawing romance books a lot of the time, and he kept trying to to get on a superhero book without really pushing too hard. Uh, but they never threw him anything that way. Uh, Shortly afterwards, though, romance comics started declining in popularity, and by the mid-60s, DC stopped buying any new romance art. Right. Uh, they just reused the stuff that they already had. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. It would just, the archives, they would just... Yeah, so at, at that point, uh, even even before his his last original DC work was published, Romina had already gone back to doing freelance for what was now Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his first work for Marvel was inking uh, Jack Kirby's cover and Don Heck's interior pencils for The Avengers number 23. Way mm-hmm. back okay. in a little year, you may have heard of, called 1965. Yeah. Uh, he, was, he was still focusing most of his work on trying to do, like, storyboarding for advertising just because it, it made more money. Uh, it paid more, yeah. Yeah, and he was he was burnt out on being a penciler at that time. He was like, I really, I would just rather ink. So Stanley was eventually able to convince him, no, no, come back, come back, and uh, hey, what would you do with this this Daredevil spread that we've got here? What would you do with this? And he, you know, John Romita, 
he he whips out uh, some tracing paper and he goes over the page. And he's like, here's what I would do. Here's what I'd do differently. And Stan Lee was like, okay, well, how would you draw Daredevil? And he draws Daredevil. He's like, all right, well, you have Daredevil now. That's your book and you're going to be doing it. <laughs> I was like, no, no, that's not what I wanted. It kind of was. <laughs> kind of wasn't. And and actually, funny enough, because I listened to some interviews and stuff, there was uh, it was mentioned a, a good few times by like John Romita Jr. that that's the first I think issue he did, Daredevil number twelve. Um, mm-hmm. He sort of went and was looking at his dad working, like drawing, and that was like one of the first pieces of art that he did that he was actually kind of interested in because it wasn't like a romance novel cover; it was like superhero action, and just that's basically what made his own son become interested in drawing comics and he's one of the most prolific comic artists of all time at this mm-hmm. point yeah yeah uh so initially he was he was penciling over uh kirby's layouts and just sort of learning like okay how do i do like the the marvel house style yeah sales went up it was actually it was it was selling pretty pretty damn well but it turns out that this was all just sort of a, a backdoor way to uh to get him into drawing spider-man <laughs> Well, Spider-Man had guest starred, I think, in a few of those Daredevil comics, right? So, I mean, yeah. yeah. Pretty sneaky, Stan. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like, because, you know, Lee and Ditko were not seen eye to eye, and and Ditko left uh, right after completing uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 38. Yeah, it was just like that, like, here you go, I quit, bye. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you could, like, do a slow buy? No, no, it's it's an on or off, it's a binary buy. (laughs) Buy is buy. (laughs) And then he just took a dump on his desk. He's yeah. like, nope, done. He made it in the shape of an A. Yep. For Ditko. Yeah. So yeah, when, when Ditko left, uh, Lee mm-hmm. gave Ramita the job of doing Spider-Man to him. And uh, this was this was right after Ramita finished eight, eight issues of Daredevil um, and a few other things. And, and uh, Ramita was like, he's quoted as saying, I was sort of hoping against it, uh, believe it or not. People laugh when I say this, but I didn't want to do Spider-Man. I wanted to stay on Daredevil. Uh, and the only reason I did Spider-Man was because Stan asked me and I felt that I should help out like a good soldier. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Yeah. Had in a sense, like he, he's a like gifted artist and he was like extremely good with like layouts and, and shots and like set, how to set it up. But it just like, he very was just, a, it was a job, right? You know what I mean? He just sort of seemed like yeah. he had kind of a down to earth attitude about things too. Anyway, yeah. Uh, so he said after after six months, when he realized that that it wasn't temporary, uh, he finally stopped trying to just mimic what uh, Ditko mm-hmm. had already done. He was like, I, you know, I should try to draw Spider Man like I would draw Spider Man. I want to give him like some sort of bone structure, <laughs> yeah. not just a pile of soup, or yeah. just not just strictly nerd bones. Yeah, and that's yeah. It. Nerd yeah. bones in a costume. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nerd bones in a costume, and a lot of it was. As he said, I, uh, and I think he said in interviews um, that uh, the way Ditko would ink was like with a pen. So it would mm-hmm. be all like very like, you know, just done very like delicate kind of like that style. Yeah. Where Ramita was used to using a brush. So when he was taking over, he was actively trying to mimic or at least try to make it a, like a seamless transition, right? He was trying mm-hmm. to like, he just, he looked at it as like, well, I'm not the creator of Spider-Man, so I'm going to draw this like people are used to for Spider-Man, which is Ditko. And uh, so he was literally like kind of teaching himself to ink that way when he already kind of had to teach himself to ink already, right? From not being yeah. naturally an inker. So it is interesting sort of seeing that transition and sort of he loosens up a bit. And even like the um, the panel layouts are very like, he would go with like the nine panel 
yes. uh, layout yep. that Ditko mm-hmm. is, was always very fond of. And then you kind of see that develop a bit more where he gets a little bolder. He gets a little more, like, takes up more space on the page with, like, a really dynamic shot. And uh, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the character, like, everything, like, the whole thing kind of just was just developing as someone does when they go to college. So yeah, it was, exactly. Yep. It, like over over the course of six months, it like it takes Spider Man from one type to another type and the readers are along for the ride. Yeah, exactly. Even like the the, the way they looked and stuff, like I think like even Gwen Stacy, um, over his I don't know, like the first year or so kinda goes from looking more like Ditko where she had like the hair that was kinda up and she kinda had this kinda coldness to her sometimes and then mm-hmm. she's just like warmed up the bandana shows up all of a sudden everybody's just sort of like it's like literally they're going from like angsty high school versions to be like hey maybe we can just chill out a little bit over yeah. over uh, over that transition the way i always looked at it is ditko comes out of the the tradition and style of like the earlier horror stuff and sci-fi like more mm-hmm. horror but like that it's got a that spooky unsettling... look to it yeah yeah, yeah. And it came out of that, and Spider-Man was kind of that for the first little while, and, but it was his attempt to not be as creepy yes. <laughs> with that. And God knows he but did you his can best. Only, it, you only can do so much if that's just your style, and that's how you draw. And then, yeah, just seeing Romita, he kind of takes it out and becomes, everybody becomes a little fuller, a little more relaxed, and a little rounder, and a little, like... And the writing like, reflected. You're, talk, you're talking about, like, the... the the brush versus the pen and like the outlines themselves become mm-hmm. bolder and all yeah. of a sudden that pops things in a yeah. different way as as opposed to a single light line doesn't do that it becomes part of everything where it, which was kind of the style of a lot of that horror stuff and then now it's yeah then you see yeah Gwen Stacy becomes and and all of them become more I think more 50s to 60s esque sort of they have yeah. that transfer transfer in time and design and look and of course everybody just got like just amazingly gorgeous like <laughs> that's yes. the romance yeah. part but yeah yeah oh yeah the awkward teen to the strapping young lad peter went from gangly angry weirdo to like just just campus mm-hmm. stud Yep. Even his hair, yeah. like, I noticed, like, his hair was always so tight. And then, like, a little strand, sort of, a loose strand, sort of, started to make its appearance. And it was just like, ah, here we go. Here's cool Peter. <laughs> mm-hmm. His chest hair's coming in on top of his head. <laughs> and enough about Gwen Stacy, because the next thing he did was introduce a character named Mary Jane Watson. Yes. In, in arguably one of the most iconic panels to ever exist. Face a jackpot. You just hit the tiger. Oh no, I hit a tiger with my car. (laughs) Oh god. Jackpot. Face it, tiger. You just hit the jackpot. Had appeared previously in a cameo with, I think, wearing like a bonnet, like a thing over her head, like with her face behind a giant flower or something ridiculous. Just like, here's the mystery, but yeah. No, first, absolutely one of the best character introductions of all time. Um, actually, same yep. issue, Gwen's, not to bring up Gwen again, but I believe her black headband first appeared in the same issue. So a lot of stuff. Her iconic black headband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. A lot was happening. But, like, even just that styling, suddenly be, it jumps ahead ten years. Yeah. From what everything else was yeah. previously. It, it's that's yeah. what I mean. Like, it's like a generation thing of, like, Ditko's generation. Like, he's drawing from the horror stuff, but an earlier style of, like, everybody's got... You know, top hats that's all noir look kind of right. that feel. And then now we're a like, lot of oh, faces now like we're this. Getting, 
Yeah. For the audience, I made a face. <laughs> yeah. You'll know what I mean. <laughs> There's a lot of, like, stiffness and seriousness, too, a lot of the time, where, like, everything loosened up with Ramita. Things mm-hmm. things got swinging 60s style, you know what I mean? Like yeah. It, Exactly. And exactly. things got more fluid, how people moved, how people looked. Everything got a little more fluid and a little more, you know, it just had so much more life to it. You know, and I'm not, not As I was, they're both great. It's just sort of like that, yeah. that moment in time was exactly what Spider-Man needed. And I feel like if that hadn't yeah. happened, if he hadn't been there. And it's funny because he, he has said in interviews a million times that he never considered, he doesn't consider himself a creator. He says he's an illustrator and he's just sort of taking the stuff on. But that development of that character and like the entire series i think was like the marvel method the art was guiding it so i would severely disagree i feel like spider-man as we know him owes as much to ramita in in a lot of ways yep anyway as i was looking stuff up for this Mm -hmm. there was a little an article that i came across and it's like talking about his creations and his co-creations and all that stuff and that including the mary jane look and that Uh, and I never realized it, and it's got pictures of who those characters were visually based off, like loosely oh, right, based yeah. off of. And it's Bye Bye Birdie, uh, that movie, it's the actress Anne Margaret, Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, was the inspiration for Mary Jane. It's got a picture, and we're like, oh yeah, I could totally see like the see dimples that. and stuff, kind of, yeah, yeah. Just that kind of like wild face, like more expressive yeah. and happy. Exactly. And, yeah. uh, other characters introduced around the same time were... Kingpin, Shocker, Rhino, uh, George Stacy, who who had also been based on on actor Charles Bickford. Yeah, right. Um, Robert and Randy Robertson were, I think, oh, he yeah. introduced as well. Yeah, Shocker and Rhino. He's really responsible for one of the most iconic scenes in Spider-Man history. Shocker! You can't escape me. I'll chase you to the ends of the earth. Oh, everyone loves that. Everyone loves it's that. It's great. Hobgoblin is... Hobgoblin. Ho- yep. Hobgoblin as well. I think that was sort of a collaboration with his son, though. I think, like, his son and Roger Stern. Yeah. But he had inked, I believe, with it as well. So, I mean, yeah. it's it's fun seeing that, right? When they actually collaborate yeah. on that stuff. Yeah. Outside of Spider-Man, uh, well, Black Widow's... Her black cat suit look, that was him, 100% mm-hmm. him. And that's yep. the only look that anyone remembers. <laughs> I know, we were, before we started recording, uh, Kyle and I were talking about it, that it's like just previous to that, she had that kind of like, I'm going to a uh, masquerade in the yeah. 1930s, sort of like weird mask and like a, actually looked, wasn't it like, she didn't she have like the widow cowl something? I, yeah, something like, like that like maybe? The, she had like the netting, whatever. Yeah, she had like the, the netting. It's a veil. It's a veil. It's called the veil. veil. Right, okay. That's the... Vicky yeah, Vale. thank you. Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale. <laughs> um... But yeah, just that sort of look, and just didn't look very... It would be like an old, like, spy movie or something, which was yeah, fine, yeah. but I mean, you know, for a superhero yeah. comic... Uh... Someone who would say, darling. Yeah, mm-hmm. probably constantly. A special bracelet to shoot a suction-tipped line. This is the way to travel. And Luke Cage mm-hmm. is a big yeah. one, designed... Which and I... I... Totally didn't realize. There's a, a number of them on here that I didn't realize he was a part of. Yeah. And I wasn't sure how much he was a part of or not. Or and he what, might not have yeah. drawn the first comic, but he was like the designer. Yeah. Or like, you know what I mean? He was he was still, he was a co-creator. He, like he, he would always, he was collaborative. Often somebody yeah. would have an idea and he'd be like, just create an amazing design for it. And yeah. I mean, and honestly, that's a massive part of why the characters are still around is the design. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And speaking of which, like Punisher. Yeah. yeah. 
That's like Jerry Conway's original sketch. With like a skull and crossbones or something on it? Yeah, or? yeah. And then he took that and I, I think, yeah, Kyle was saying earlier that he just... Yeah, he like sort of moved, moved the skull part up so it's like, oh, let's have it, you know, stretch across the whole chest and also line up with the pecs. And you know, have the have the gun belt be the teeth. Yeah, like right, the, like I, I that. I want to see that first design where it's just like a fuck, just a little skull. <laughs> yeah, that would it would strike to me like it was like he's looking like he belongs in the Invaders or something like it, that nineteen yes. forties. Right, yeah, yeah. he's hanging out with yeah. the wizard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll just some other ones: Bullseye, Tigra, um, yep. or Tigra, whatever you pronounce it, uh, Firestar. He yeah. did the original design on was was supposed to be called Heatwave at the time, and the original sketch basically looks identical to Mary Jane, which is uh, yeah. which is fun. Before that was kind of amended, um, and there's a, a a rather big one, maybe a big two. Before I know which one you're getting to, but there's also like, do we say Hammerhead? Oh, um, Hammerhead, absolutely. Brother Voodoo, yeah. Mm-hmm. Gladiator, like the Melvin Potter Gladiator, yeah. Bad guy, uh, Nova. Oh right, I forgot about Nova. Did we say Tigra? Yeah. We did. No, we said Tigra. Oh, ah, ah, sorry. <laughs> no. El Tigra. El Tigra. Turns out it's pronounced Tanya. Who knew? Mm. <laughs> it's Iger. What? Oh. Um, Mary Jane? But yeah, the the big one. Mm-hmm. Being, uh, which I don't, this is the thing I didn't realize, and then when I looked this up and I found an article on it, I didn't realize how much he was involved was, mm-hmm. uh, was Wolverine. Yep. Let's go, bub. The initial original costume, which is still a subtle, subtle change to it, is still his most iconic look that yep. he's always yes. gone back to. And it, apparently the the claws, how the claws are on the gloves and retractable was Ramita's idea. Hmm. Well, his original he sketch. That first appearance of him, which is what, like, Hulk 180 in the last page, mm. where he comes over the hill and he's got that kind of, like, goofy jump look. And he's like, hey, now you're going to mess with me. What does he say? If you really want to tangle with someone, why not try your luck against the Wolverine? And then that's like the iconic first shot of him. Right. That is drawn by Herb Trimp. Okay. And is it? it's. Yeah. Is it? Isn't it? Well, you tell me. Well, like in the comic, it's drawn by Herb yes. Trimp. And it says Herb Trimp just traced Ramita's design directly into the pages <laughs> of. Incredible Hulk 180 for Wolverine. Well, so this shows the sketches that Ramita did, and it matches perfectly. Like, holy shit, you just, you literally just... Yeah, he's like, I got a month to figure out how to draw this. Yeah. 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 Well, there like, was a oh, lot Okay, of, we'll do that, and then just go with it. Yep. There was a lot of that over the years and decades, even, where he would have to, like, you know what I mean? He would sort of maybe do designs, and then they'd do this, and he'd have to, like, fix things. And I think a lot of times whenever Stan, like, he was just, Stan would always go to him and just be like, hey, this has to look like this. Like, Stan Lee was just in love with yeah. everything Ramita did and just wanted him. There's a reason he, like, the regular house style was very similar. Like, Ramita was well, wasn't kind of a blueprint the, in a lot of ways. He was the art director at one point, wasn't he? Yeah. For yeah, a so, long time. So around that time he became the art director and uh like he was he was getting pulled off of spider-man to like we're giving him too much to do we're giving him too much to do and then stan would call him in like you gotta fix this you gotta fix this like you like this you're supposed to be saving me time you're just giving me more work to do what the hell are you talking about (laughs) yeah yeah oh stan doing the opposite 
it's funny though. Like he, uh, I've listened to a number of interviews, and he. It's interesting because you see, especially right now, with sort of that documentary about Stanley that came out. That's basically there's a lot of criticism, especially from like Jack Kirby's family, the Kirby family. Yeah, it's interesting listening to his interviews and his perspective, just because he also has put moments where he like talks about you know being frustrated with Stan or like times where he was like, ah, the hell with him and stuff like that. But then he also speaks of him like, then there was that time I stabbed him in the neck with a pen nib. (laughs) But he also like speaks so fondly about him and like describes him as being like super engaged and like involved in everything and like excited about everything. And you know, it's, it's one of the, it just, I just found it interesting in this moment of time to sort of hear that perspective. I think that it's, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll list some interviews uh, that are, like, on YouTube at the end of the episode that I just recommend, if anyone wants to sort of... Yeah, from please. From his own words. Yep. Because he's, his interviews are phenomenal. Like, his 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 memory, like, it's like a steel trap. He knows what he's, he's going through everything quickly and, like, very thoroughly. Like, and it's so... It's like a... It's like he was a, he was a teacher. That's the thing. It's all, There's a reason that he was, uh, like, as, as an art director, he trained so many artists that came up during his time there. And, like, he... he his fingerprints are on so many uh so many things and he's like one of them he was talking about how how thrilled he was about like you know the 80s and the 90s like all the artists coming up there because they were actually sort of picking up the baton and like doing new things and you know he didn't Mm. seem to have any ego about a lot of stuff he seemed like he was happy to like pass on his like knowledge and pass on skills and you know really own the collaborative nature of things so that's i don't know i just uh, his interviews i'll I'll list them later on but uh, i highly recommend them well, I mean, after after this point, like after becoming art director, you know, he he keeps working, but it does sort of slow down as he moves into other stuff. He's like he's working on special projects. Uh, he's hiring other people, uh, and less less art is getting made. Like he he does do a fair amount of work after this time in 1976, but it does it does slow down quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. He, he does some Avengers stuff, and and a lot of what he ends up doing once we progress past this time is just he'll do a fill-in issue, or he'll do you know seven or eight or something number of pages for like an anniversary book, that sort of thing. Yeah, like he did a Gwen Stacy one. It was like a thirty-fifth anniversary, like Amazing yeah. Spider-Man issue. Like he do, yeah, like sort of little stuff like that, special things. Even even you know years and years later, I think there was a oh, I forget like Amazing Spider Man five hundred or something was done drawn by mm-hmm. yeah June Mermita Junior and uh, at the end there was like a sequence with like Uncle Ben that yeah he did he, he did the last he four just took pages over. of that book yeah like yeah, he just yeah. did like ex- like stuff like that especially when in moments like that where it it really means something like it is actually like it feels like he would come back for something that's special. You know what yeah, I mean? I don't know there, what his was, thinking was. There was one in 2003 where he did uh, he did a few pages uh, in a Daredevil book in October 2007 where he did a, a few pages featuring Karen Page and he drew it in the style of a romance comic. I was like, oh yeah, that's kind of where you started. And like, Yeah. yeah. That, which I think that's kind of neat. For sure. And I mean, those, that's, those sensibilities obviously were became such a important part of you know just how superheroes are portrayed like that's a it was a it was an ingredient that was missing that that changed everything (laughs) for spider-man particular obviously he did a lot more he did well he did more than just spider-man but obviously he's Mm -hmm. always going to be associated with spider-man because he was one of the most important artists for that but was basically the full style and there's so many iconic images i'm just sort of going through covers even like the spider-man no more in number, uh, yeah, number the 50. mask in the trash thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where the first one were like, his first issue, actually, where, like, the goblin has Peter Parker tied up flying with him with his, like, clothes tattered in his costume. 
again, like these are both things that were pretty famously used almost as identically as possible in 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 movies. You know, like both of yep. those in the and for the comic uh, nerds, we all know that like all these things have been homaged eight thousand times. Yeah. Like some of the most iconic comic images ever. Yeah. But that one behind you, is that a Romita, Bri? <laughs> that is. That's the, yeah. uh, my wife got that for me years back. It's a uh, cover of the, well, the death, after the death of Gwen Stacy, which is kind of a weird thing to have framed up there. Like, here's my corpse. And, you know, might be the first cover where Spider-Man is threatening to murder somebody. So, I mean, you knew that was serious. <laughs> Well, I mean, Romita was the one who suggested, like, hey, maybe uh, Green Goblin yeah. should kill her off, because this redhead. Mm. I think he was right. I'll, I'll I'll tell him that. I think he was right. That was the right call. They talked about it in interviews at the time. Like, there was a, you know, there was one, actually, Comic Crates, I think. It was, uh, like, Stan Lee hosted, and it was, like, Senior and Junior both drawing, and they're all just talking about making comics, and uh, just even Stan Lee freely admitting, like, just Mary Jane was just more interesting. She just had more personality. She was just, oh, yeah. you know, Gwen couldn't compete, you know? So, I mean, it was... He did the marriage, uh, the cover of the the annual where he yeah. married Mary Jane, which uh, mm-hmm. is not controversial at all and still, of course, canon. Uh, <laughs> and even other things, like that, you know, the, the number 100 where he's like... Uh, it's like black with the white faces and he's like, there's just so many yeah. of those covers that are just so striking and like uh, just absolute classics. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to talk about a few of those, I guess. Um, one thing I did mention, and again, there are some interviews like the one I just mentioned. There's one also that there's a sh- 2001 shoot interview with uh, David Armstrong, which is phenomenal. You should definitely check that. It's mm. just on YouTube. Just if you look up 2001 shoot Ramita, you'll find it. And there's a lot of like little snippets from some sci-fi interviews as well. Like just hearing him talk about stuff is is he just gives a nice like his perspective, but it seems like a nice, clear, you know, I uh, I assume fairly objective. He doesn't seem like he seemed pretty no drama, no bullshit. He's not putting his ego into it. Yeah, it was. It, it felt like very no ego. Like he always gave everybody like you know. Ditko Kirby, like, praise and credit, like, he he just seemed to, like, appreciate the art form on every level, and he appreciate what everyone brought to it, and, you know, it, it's a, a nice thing to to, to hear. I think uh, I would definitely recommend uh, checking all those out. Sounds good. And, and something yeah. he mentioned, too, a lot, he, every time interview I noticed, he, Terry and the Pirates by Milton Kniff, yes. which was, like, an old comic yeah. strip, like, he, every interview I could find on him, he's, he, can't stop talking about it like he was such a fan like this was his like this was his like favorite comic growing up and i think he even talking about how the first time as a kid he heard like adults talking about developments in this comic like with some seriousness mm-hmm. you know what i mean it was like one of those I've, f- I've heard that or read that mentioned in other interviews not just by him but other artists of that era that it was so such a pivotal yeah. piece of just how like the storytelling was done and the drawing was so beautiful and yeah and that that's and really when you think about it i mean like putting the romance stuff in there a bit of the soap opera and and yeah. having those real stakes like again like when gwen stacy died and him knowing like you have to do that because he remembered like a, a major character getting killed in that comic and how adults were taking yeah. it seriously i mean it did take comics to I mean, it, it, it's from what came before, but I mean, like the superhero yeah. comics, it kind of take things to another level, which was pretty pivotal. Like, there's a reason that's still one of the most famous comics, the most shocking comics of all time. I mean, Marvel might think they just put out another comic that's equally as shocking, but I would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good spot to end it and just 
kind of cap off the celebration. And Absolutely. Not that we'll, we'll ever stop celebrating it. We're always <laughs> reading that sort of stuff and going back and, yeah. and it's, it's, dipping it's, into the old pool. If that stuff didn't exist, then the stuff now wouldn't exist. And it's it's exactly important sure. to remember that and, and just look like this is a huge stepping stone that, that comics took because of, you know, it, yeah. he wasn't the only one doing it, but he was certainly one of the ones doing it the very best. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, and, and honestly, a good, long, seemingly very happy life being appreciated and respected. It feels like his, there's a lot of stories in comics where they didn't have a happy ending. And it feels like mm-hmm. he did have a happy ending. And he, you know, just seemed like such a, a positive, good person who is very talented. And it's just, it's nice to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Maybe. Or yeah. celebrate that, you know? Like, it's, yes. appreciate that. That's, that's the word. <laughs> John Romita, we salute you. Army style. Literally. Cheers. And we cheers you. <sighs> and with that, we'll bring it to a close. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we need to say who we are, or should we just end it? We're, Maybe not we're some one. schmucks. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to find out who we are, check out next episode. Tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> or last exactly. week. Yeah, really, any other one. We have nearly, well, really over 400 episodes. Uh, so... It's true. Check but any not of officially. those out. Not officially. No. Yeah. Legacy number. But we'll see you then. See ya. Exactly. Tell the truth.